You are listening to Cut Jib Newsletter Speaks, the podcast. This is series number four, episode number 15 for Tuesday, September the 20... I don't even know what the hell day it is. It's Tuesday, September something, September 20 something. Uh, JJ Septon here, along with my good friend, uh, co-blogger and co-host, CBD. CBD, good morning, sir. Good morning. It's uh, it's the 26th. Almost Thank all you. day, I think. I'm not sure. <laughs> exactly. Well, I can't really tell because it's been raining here for about three days, so uh, which I don't yeah. mind. You know, I'm not one of these fear-mongering lunatics uh, who's afraid of of weather. Uh, I happen to find weather uh, fascinating and quite pleasant. And when it changes, that makes it makes the world more interesting. So anyway. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we've got a couple of uh uh, topics to discuss in our, uh, our rapid fire program for the week. Uh, first up is uh, an interesting situation north of the border where Canada, which historically has been sort of this mellow, free, you know, open place that everybody, you know, everybody sort of looks at as just nothing very, very uh, exciting ever goes on there, which has devolved courtesy of the leftists and especially the current leftist, this uh, Justin Trudeau, who I call uh, Justin Castro Chescu. Uh, into an absolute tyranny. And the latest kerfuffle involves um, inviting uh, Mr. Zelensky of Ukraine there. And uh, they were honoring a gentleman whose name is Yaroslav Hunka. And he's 98 years old and um, and he's a, a Ukrainian a national hero. And uh, the problem is after everyone gave him a standing ovation in the Canadian parliament, it turns out that we discovered that Mr. Hunka was a Nazi war criminal who was in the Galician SS division, where he was basically murdering innocent Poles and Jews and other people. So, uh, of course, nobody is backed down. And I think they're calling this yet another, you know, fake news or something like that. But it's not fake. And it's just absolutely horrendous what, what, what this is. And because everyone has this urge to, to uh, prop up Mr. Zelensky in Ukraine, they're willing to overlook this rather salient point of, uh, of them honoring a, a, a basically an, an avowed bona fide Nazi collaborator. Disgusting. Well, he was a, uh, an officer in, in a Waffen-SS uh, division, I believe, that was, f- that was formed in Ukraine and perhaps uh, dr- drawing people from outside of Ukraine. Um, and I looked up the uh, history of that division, and uh, they aren't explicitly implicated in um, anything more than the, you know, the sort of background uh, Waffen SS behavior, which was murderous. So um, his his, uh, his supporters will claim that he did nothing wrong, uh, and of course his detractors will correctly point out that. Uh, you know, being a, an officer in a Waffen SS division is not really uh, grounds for, um, you know, beatification. So, but what, what's delicious about this is that that this, as you pointed out, this this insane drive to support Ukraine has has created these ridiculous situations in which we're supporting we, you know, the West are supporting fucking Nazi criminals. This is unbelievable. And yet it's okay as long as Ukraine is supported, as long as as the, the pensions of the people of Ukraine are being paid by the American taxpayer, all is well. Yeah, it, it really is disgusting. You'll, you'll recall or, or people who are paying attention to the news or at least the situation, there was another kerfuffle a number of months back with 
something called uh, the, uh, I believe it was the Sea of Azov Division, which has its roots in the Waffen SS, and they glorify SS. Uh, you know, a, a German SS and Adolf Hitler. And of course, this was this was called misinformation or disinformation merely because Vladimir Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, happens to be Jewish for all your definitions of the word Jewish. I mean, George Soros was born Jewish, but what does that mean? And so now it turns out that no, the, the Azov division was, has its roots in the Waffen SS. And, you know, we can go into splitting hairs about which, which SS division was worse or which um, segment of the SS. There was the Totenkopf Verbanda, which was in charge of the death camps. And there was the Waffen SS, which was the armed wing of the SS. But basically, they may not have been the, given the, uh, the, the main primary mission of going in and rounding up Jews and shooting them uh, into a mass grave. Uh, but they certainly burned villages and killed people and uh, went crazy and were, were pro, pro-Nazi because uh, and they're given the, the fig leaf of cover saying, well, they're nationalists. They wanted to break away from the Soviet Union. And again, CBD, just to echo what you're saying, we are we are overlooking all of this only in our, our rabid pursuit to uh, to claim that Vladimir Putin and to oppose him is a war criminal. And he's only a, we're only opposing Vladimir Putin because supposedly uh, he's related to Donald Trump, which means he's not related to Donald Trump at all. And look, and I'm no apologist for Vladimir Putin, but uh, this is just, you know, this is just the the the. the, the the politicization of this and the willing to look the other way, it's something that that is, I think, beyond the pale, you know, associating with an absolute Nazi war criminal who's 98 years old and still breathing and was there when shit was going down is absolutely beyond the pale. There is no excuse for this. And yes, they are, you know, they're caught. But of course, the apologists and, you know, I think Politico had this thing where they're not they're calling him like Nazi adjacent or something like that. And it's the most ridiculous thing. It's it's laughable, but it's disgusting. You know, I'm not going to defend Vladimir Putin, but uh, at this point, and I've mentioned this in private, I don't think that I've said it publicly, but um, I think that uh, at the, well, at this point, my hope is that Russia wins this war fast. Um, I think it's the the quickest end to this ridiculous mess that we're in, and it might prevent. I, I'm. I, I wrote this almost verbatim to a friend of mine. Um, it might prevent a large-scale NATO or American entry into the war. Um, I, I, I simply don't care enough about Ukraine to, to, you know, give a rat's ass whether it's owned by Russia or owned by uh, the the people of of Eastern Ukraine. But I want America out of this as quickly as possible. And the noise being made in Washington now is that this is sort of an open-ended war, that this is going to go go on and on and on. And our financial commitment is huge already and is going to get bigger. And unfortunately, I think that as, as the Russians get better at what they are doing, we are going to have to commit more and more uh, material and, unfortunately, I think – uh, NATO, the West, and the United States is going to commit troops. And that scares the shit out of me. First of all, I don't want one American soldier dying for you know, Ukrainian wheat fields. It's simply none of our fucking business. But the, the second thing is that this, it's an easy way to expand a war into places where nobody really understands. You know, the, the superpowers kept a lot of distance between them for very, very good reason. But as we expanded NATO to the east and Russia said, please don't do that because we 
because we don't like that and we continue to do it, well, that distance has gotten shorter and shorter and shorter. And right now we are on the border of Russia. You know, good or bad, uh, you know, sure, you want to prevent Russia from expanding into Western Europe. They're not going to. I'm not really worried about that. But the fact remains is that these are we have two superpowers, both of which have tactical nuclear weapons. And I don't want one being used. We're already going to get a, a tactical nuclear exchange or a theater exchange in the Middle East in the next 15 years, I think. So uh, let, let's let's try to minimize the use of nuclear weapons in this world. You know, the the insanity of the neocons and the you know, the warmongers who are claiming that Russia is hell bent at once they conquer Ukraine on expanding ever, ever westward, which on the face of it is ridiculous because when Russia invaded Ukraine, they thought the war would be over in 48 hours. And here we are, like, what, uh, how many months later, two years later? It's ridiculous on the face of it. They can't, for whatever reason, they can't pull off a victory. So, I mean, it's uh, it's obvious that they are never going to be conquering any portion or any other country, let alone, you know, Ukraine, if they can pull it off. And as you say, CBD, I certainly hope they pull it off as quickly as possible to prevent all these scenarios that, that you have just uh, illustrated or possibly even worse. It's crap like this that, you know, that, that touched off the First World War, which we all know what happened in the wake of that. This should not be happening. It is a, you know... Whatever our faults and 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 big ass mistakes in when the end of when the when the Cold War ended and when the, when the Berlin Wall came down, we should have, as I said, and many people have said, and there was a great article in American Conservative uh, about Richard Nixon, and he he was yelling and screaming about this, uh, you know, to his almost to his dying day uh, in 1994 when he was warning that expanding NATO would cause this problem. Um, you know, this was this was our foreign policy. We promised them up and down that we wouldn't do it, and we did it. And at the end of the day, we should have been doing everything we could to get them into the Western sphere of influence. But instead, no, we gloated over our victory, and then we expanded the the military industrial complex and all this kind of crap. And then Foggy Bottom was, you know, again, it was continuing to go out of its mind and and just and totally ignored the situation. And we got us to the point where we are today. And um, Russia is going to be. Instead of having them in our camp, they're, they're in the camp of the communist Chinese. Perhaps they're in the camp of the Iranians. They're, they could be courting the, I think they're courting the uh, North Koreans even for ammunition to help them, uh, you know, as, as their stocks run low. But what was really, you made a point before about, you know, paying off Ukrainian uh, the pension funds. I mean, what really got me crazy, there was an article this morning where the Veterans Administration hospitals and veterans homes are literally rat infested, bed bug infested. And just absolutely, you know, covered in, in, in all kinds of feces and garbage. And these our poor veterans are not being taken care of. Meanwhile, we're sending billions and billions of dollars to the Ukraine to prop up uh, their lifestyle. That is the most unconscionable thing. And considering we're hot and horny to send American troops there, uh, you know, if the world survives a nuclear exchange, I shudder to think what will be uh, the situation at the veterans affairs of, of the veterans of that war. This is completely unconscionable on all levels. Well, Zelensky is already um, pimping for uh, huge, huge, huge amounts of Western aid to rebuild Ukraine. Uh, I don't know what he's expecting, uh, but he's going to get it, I'm sure. Um, you know, the, the, the idea that uh, that the West is responsible for rebuilding Ukraine is insane. But we, we are absolutely on the hook for hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars to to rebuild Ukraine into, you know, the garden spot of Eastern Europe. Um, and I don't know, 
this this you know the, the hatred of, of of Putin and Russia has become pathological. It simply does not make enough logical sense to justify it. Um, is it because Putin is unabashedly anti-homosexual? I think that's part of it. Uh, is it because Russia uh, pushed against um, homosexual couples in the United States um, taking yeah, in adopting. Russian yeah. orphans? Yes, I think that's part of it. Uh, is it a is it a reaction to the overt religiosity of of some of Putin's uh, pronouncements? Yes, I think that's part of it. Um, but it, it but it, it it's conspiring to push the West into a huge, huge malaise over the next dozen years where not nothing we do is going to work we're just going to pump more and more money into ukraine and there nothing good can come of it and that's why i i think that the best thing for the west and for america is for putin to win quickly absolutely the sooner he does that the the, the less monkey business that, that we can that we can be involved in and hopefully it short circuits the plans of the globalists and other people who are who are itching for this um, the, the scary thought is, though, let's say Putin does win. Man, what will Joe Biden do? Declare that we declare it like, you know, the Gulf War where we have to go in and liberate the people. We have to liberate Ukraine from the Russians. So it's like war no matter where, what we what happens. That's re- that's almost an even scarier thought than yeah. this thing dragging out. But, you know, the other thing that, that was driving this, along with all those reasons that you that you state, is because our intelligence community crafted this bullshit story that Russia colluded with Donald Trump to steal the 2016 election, which freaking Hillary Clinton is still claiming on that stupid show with Jen Psaki. I mean, it's ridiculous. So all this, the, the, the Putin derangement is basically just an offshoot of Trump derangement because they just associate one with the other. And it's all based on a complete absolute lie that, that these two colluded together to bring the 2016 election. I mean, uh, you know, it's madness all the way around. You know, it's interesting. Um, we we spent uh, what from 1945 until until 1991, um, when the Soviet Union finally fell, um, not liberating Eastern Europe. So what what was different in Ukraine then compared to now? What was different in in Poland then? Uh, it, why is it that all of a sudden we have this insane desire to liberate, you know, a few thousand square miles of of Eastern Ukraine? From from the Russians, I, I, I mean, you know, look, look, you know, I mean, going back, well, why didn't we go into uh, Czechoslovakia, which was probably a much more legitimate concern? Or why didn't we go into Poland, you know, or not Poland, but Hungary in 1956 and 68? You know, those two Absolutely. We course, very carefully we, did nothing. Yeah. So anyway, let's move yeah. on to a, a very interesting story out of Morristown, Tennessee. Um, there is a family, a German family, that left Germany um, in you know the early 2000s. Uh, boy, I, know, I think 2004, something like that. It's 15 uh, years ago. I think it's yeah, 15 years ago. Um, so what, whatever the, the date is, um, and they left because the because Germany would not allow them to homeschool their kids, and in fact, were fining them for homeschooling their children. So they left. Uh, an immigration judge granted them uh, an application for granted their application for asylum. And of course, the U.S. Department of State, or I'm sorry, U.S. Department of Justice appealed that decision. And so it's been bouncing around 
the various federal bureaus for the last 15 years. And uh, all of a sudden they said, well, you got to leave now. So the United States, after accepting tens of millions of, of patently illegal scum from the, across our southern borders and doing nothing about them and changing the makeup of the United States irreparably, we've got this you know, blonde hair, blue-eyed, tall uh, family uh, that is doing everything the right way, and we decided to throw them out because of why I have absolutely no idea. I believe you hit the proverbial nail on the head, CBD. These are white people. Um, I don't necessarily know their religious uh, proclivities or affiliations. Uh, you know, they're they're a, a multi-child household. They're more than I think there's like maybe four or five children. They homeschool them, and so all of this is completely flies in the face of the current uh, philosophy of uh, the regime and globalism, which is hedonism. Uh, uh, you know, anti-Christianity, anti-family, and so on and so forth. And of course, as you state, millions being let in and welcomed with open arms through the southern border, uh, essentially as a as a means to change the, the racial and ethnic and cultural makeup of this country. And they're being you know housed and faded and and so on and so forth. While this couple, while this this couple and their children are basically looked at as the scum of the earth. Uh, it is truly topsy turvy land in, in this, and it's it's this is a blood boiler right here. Um, doing everything right, they didn't jump the borders, and they actually legitimately sought political asylum from a country that was uh, again Germany that was persecuting them for, for the crime of homeschooling their children. I mean, again, yes, it's a you know it it is legitimate in a way persecution if you don't. I mean, whatever Germany's laws or whatever it is, we have the same kind of mindset here where we are now. Passing legislation where if, if a child declares that a boy child declares that suddenly he's a girl, uh, if you parents don't re refuse to give him a transsexual operation, the, the state will take the children away from him. So this is exactly why this couple is being punished and sent back to Germany. And my fear is they go back to Germany and the state, you know, depending on how, how old these kids are, they'll probably, uh, you know, whatever, they'll, they'll, they'll take custody away from the parents, throw the parents in jail. And meanwhile, Muslim migrants are running wild in the streets, raping uh, to their heart's content, to their Turkish delight, I should say. And uh, all this is going on. Um, totally unconscionable. Absolutely just, you know, it's the madness of our times. So I'm going to read a, a short quotation from the, the, the father of this family. Our oldest children were in school in the German public schools, and their personality literally changed, Romicki said. We wanted to help them grow up in what they believed in and what we believe in and not get basically indoctrinated with something we don't want. That sounds quintessentially American. That sounds exactly what we fought for against the British and why we had this tremendous migration from staid and sclerotic Europe into the new world, into the into what was going to become the United States. These people sound like they're going to be great American citizens. And these are exactly the kinds of people that we want in this country. Now, uh, you know, they're sort of cute, too, which, uh, which of course, does not color my opinion at all. But um, <laughs> but the but the idea is that they've done everything exactly the way they should have done it. They're not trying to to fly under the radar. They're you know these people are are doing everything legally, and we're tossing them out. I think it's disgusting. 
Yeah, they do sort of resemble a, a latter-day von Trapp family, and, and but 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 there it is. But it is disgusting. But because our society has been turned upside down, the family is to be destroyed. Uh, children are not the property of parents. The nuclear family is to be destroyed. The parent is the state, and when the state deems that what we are going to teach your children vis-a-vis uh, sexuality, uh, vis-a-vis uh, the history of this country, which is not the land of the free and the home of the brave, but the land of the freebie and the home of the enslaved, and it's illegitimate, and so on and so on down the line. Uh, yes, these people are enemies. They're, they, they stand out like, like nobody's business as the complete antithesis of what the uh, globalists and what the leftists are trying to do, and unfortunately seem to be succeeding in doing in this country. Uh, the pushback from places like Virginia and, and really all over the place, notwithstanding. But uh, it's, it's absolutely horrendous what, what's being done to them. And, and uh, there's no, yeah, I mean, what more can you say about it? I, I hope and pray that somehow they get to stay in this country. But if they don't, it's just, it's, God, that is just such a crime. And, I, and I, I kind of fear for them. I fear for the parents once they get, and the children once they get back to Germany. Because exactly what this parent, this, this father was fearing was going on with their children is exactly what's happening to children when they go to school and when they go to college. I mean, there, there's article after article that I've seen where a parent says, I sent my kid away, a loving, uh, decent child, high school graduate to college. He comes back one year later hating me, hating the country and hating his life. So, uh, yeah, that's, that, that's basically what, what's going on. something else um i i wrote this morning on ace of spades um my morning rant uh about uh race baiting in sports um and and i i i find it i mean listen i i think that uh i speak for many many conservatives in, in that sport athletics has become much less important to me i used to be a maniacal uh new york yankees fan i i simply love baseball uh, but the major, major league baseball has absolutely destroyed a great sport, and I don't watch it anymore. Uh, I used to watch at least part of probably 140 games a year, and uh, I don't think I've watched more than a couple of innings this entire season. Um, but anyway, uh, a a comment, a, a, a pundit or commentator, whatever you want to call him, an asshole named Skip Bayless uh, was. Thank you rather critical of um, the uh, University of Oregon football coach because he did what every single football ca- coach in the world or in, in the country does. He talked shit about the opposing team and the opposing coach to wind up his team so that they would play well. And in fact, they did play well. They beat the snot out of the University of Colorado, who was coached by Deion Sanders, who, as most of you know, was a, a very famous and tremendous athlete, by the way, uh, both uh, in football and in baseball. And Skip Bayless racialized it. Uh, and and what, he, what he did was he took normal behavior on the part of a coach, and because it was directed at a black coach, 
that it it was racial. It was racialist. It was racist. And it is it, it's an obscenity. It is it is simply that that the that dog whistle of of racism that every hack pundit in the world uses when he has nothing intelligent to say. And Skip Bayless is a perfect example of that. He's a, a classless scumbag for bringing up race where it simply does not belong. Agreed. And correct me if I'm wrong, uh, CBD, I believe Deion Sanders basically, you know, he didn't, uh, he played it down, didn't he? I don't, or, or did he? I, I yeah. Didn't. You know, I'm mean, Deion Sanders is not, is not above playing the race card. Uh, he's, he's not, uh, he's not some wonderful dignified, uh, ambassador to sport, but what he said in his comments after the game, and I'll quote them is a good old fashioned, butt kicking, no excuses. Their coaches did a good job preparing their team. Obviously we didn't. And that is the way to do it. Folks, Deion Sanders for whatever you might think of him did exactly the right thing because all of this happened on the field, you know, n- n- and nothing, nothing said off the field matters at all. And Deion Sanders recognized that, and he said, "Hey, that's that's why we play the game." Bingo. I mean, it just you know, and it's funny. Most of the people, not all of the time, obviously, but it seems that more and more, as these as these things play out, so to speak, most of the people who are instigating this crap are white and liberal. I mean, it's mostly the you know, most black people or players are kind of not really necessarily. Yes, there are examples, of course, of Colin Kaepernick and so on and so forth, who and everybody else who goes along with him. But this is such a freaking minor, trivial thing. It's it's what did the coach dress up in a Klan uniform and burn a cross or, or burn Deion Sanders in effigy or do it use a fake noose like that idiot from NASCAR? No, of course not. But this is, you know, Rush Limbaugh, may he rest in peace, warned us about this when Obama was elected. He says, you are not going to be able to criticize Barack Obama without being ripped apart as a racist, regardless of the uh, of what the criticism is, how you phrase it, what you phrase it. The bottom line is critic and it's, you know, criticism is racist. And of course, people freaked out and, you know, they a lot of people refrained from criticizing him in, in as pointed a way as possible because they didn't want to be seen as racist by the media. And, you know, it sort of gave him kind of carte blanche as if he wasn't going to do what he wanted to do anyway. But, you know, it sort of gave him free reign to do whatever the hell he wanted. And it's just and anybody criticizing him was then labeled was then tarred and feathered, so to speak, as a racist. And this is such this is so toxic and so horrible and so beyond the pale that even the most minor of criticisms of someone just because they're not white uh, is racist. It's a weapon. And it's like language, like everything else you could. You know, that that's what it is. It's meant to silence you, to keep you quiet, and so on and so forth. And the fact that it, beyond the political range, that it gets into sports, well, that's just it. You hit the nail on the head. I mean, like UCBD, I was a huge baseball and football fan. I enjoyed watching it when I was younger, a big Met fan, a big New York Giants fan. And, uh, you know, I mean, I have no kids. So that, and really, I was sharing that with my dad. And when my dad passed away, it, it lost its luster. Plus the fact that you have the steroid scandal, you had the, uh, you know, people like Aaron Hernandez and Michael Vick and so on and so forth. It's just it's just the, the sports in general soured was soured on me. And then, of course, when Colin Kaepernick uh, took a knee, I said, that's it. No more sports. And now, of course, no more Washington Redskins, no more Cleveland Indians. And now we're just getting into a whole mess of just 
of just total bullshit and just it's just you know i don't i don't it's nonsense and kudos to Deion sanders for you know for for for, for, for taking the high road at least at, at this point yeah you know it's interesting the uh the florida i yeah i think it's the florida state seminoles seminoles yeah the Noles. yeah um they have a actually they have a financial agreement with the seminole indians or whatever the 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 tribe is and yes, the Seminole Indians are actually quite thrilled with the whole idea, and they like the idea that that their that their name is being used as as uh, as the term for the Florida State football team, which I think is quite flattering. Um, you know, the idea that uh, that a, a mascot is in any way a bad thing is 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 patently insane. Um, the, the whole point of it is that is to be is to project a a strong and aggressive and powerful and winning image. So it should be flattering rather than insulting. But absolutely. And by the way, you know the, the Florida State uh, University and the, and, the, and the sports program there generates a heck of a lot of cash. Uh, you know, both for the university and and so on and so forth. And and if and if, and if the uh, Seminole Nation of uh, Native Americans, Indians are involved in that and have a piece of the action, believe me, they're not going to be complaining about it. And and I believe the chief and and their mascot. He's not, a, you know, he's not like the Philadelphia fanatic or Mr. Met. You know, it's an it's a it's a Native American warrior on a horse with a spear riding into the game. I mean, that's pretty damned. Uh, you know, that, you know, that's very very awe inspiring. So, I mean, what are we going to do? I mean, I can't imagine, you know, people here in Wisconsin or in Minnesota, you know, the, the Scandinavians here getting up in arms because the Minnesota Viking looks like, uh, you know. Uh, the, I forgot the cartoon character with the mustache and the Viking helmet. Yes, all of a sudden that's racist. We we can't call them the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, it's it's just it, it, the ludicrousness of it is just it's beyond the pale. I hope people are coming to their senses on this. I, I you know there are there are traces, there are anecdotal stories here and there that people are fed up with this bullshit. And then of course uh, every for every anecdotal story that's positive, uh, ten more come along that'll just you know smack you back down. Yeah, you know I've 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 read a lot about. Uh sports both professionally and in, in both professional and in college sports and i participated at a much lower level and i i never saw uh even a hint of racist behavior um in in anything that i i was exposed to um i think that that the sports locker room is one of the one of the most egalitarian and and uh, race ignorant, not race ignorant. Yeah, race ignorant. You don't even think about uh, the color or the or, or or the ethnicity or the religion of the guy next to you. All you care about is whether he's going to do his job and he's good at what at at his position. And and for them to inject race into this, it, it, it offends me on so many levels. You know that's um, and I mentioned in in my uh, article at uh, Ace of Spades this morning. Um. One of the things that really, really bothers me about Major League Baseball is that they've taken Jackie Robinson and made him this this racial symbol, and that detracts from the fact that Jackie Robinson was an absolutely spectacular baseball player. He was unbelievably athletic. He was he was unbelievably graceful. He was unbelievably intellectually talented. And and that might sound ridiculous talking about baseball, which seems like a simple game. But it can be quite complicated, and he was one of those guys who knew how to play the game in his head as well as his body. And for them to make him simply a racial symbol detracts from 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 his wonderful, wonderful play 
over, unfortunately, a, a, a shortened career. Yeah. You know, one of the most uh, really things that really make my blood boil is uh, the, the movie director, Spike Lee, uh, who is probably one of the most sick racialists in this country that you can imagine. I mean, just so steeped in, in hatred of white people and everything for no real good reason whatsoever. But be that as it may, one of his trademarks is to walk around wearing the, the, um, the, the jersey of Jackie Robinson. And I think if Jackie Robinson were alive today, he would just he'd, he'd rip it off of, of, of Spike Lee's little frame and kick the shit out of him. Because Jackie Robinson's life, his legacy, his career, his character are just literally 180 degrees diametri- diametrically opposed to that of Spike Lee, for sure. And what's really horrendous is the, you know, Jackie Robinson, as people may or may not know, died at the age of 50 years old. And a lot of that was because of the abuse that he took on the baseball field. And later on in life, when he when he when he retired, after he retired, he wanted to be a goodwill ambassador, both for America and for you know the American ideal, which is what Spike Lee is is completely opposed to and hates. Um, and in the in the 1960s, uh, during during the 60s, during the height of all the, the racial riots and the tensions, when the Black Panthers were coming up, the Black Panthers went on a rampage against Jackie Robinson because they they called him a traitor and a sellout and an Uncle Tom. And uh, not long after that, Jackie Robinson passed away. So for someone like Spike Lee, who has more in common with the Black Panthers than Jackie Robinson, to wear his jersey, I just think is is a defilement of his, if that's a word, of his memory and uh, and everything he stood for. That really that gets me crazy. But you are right. It's all about uh, it's about your ability on the field, what you can do and what you can't do. And that's how you that's what you know, ultimately what should cut the mustard. And now we get into a segue into the, uh, you know, the, 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 the whole diversity, inclusion and equity scam where we're just hiring people based on a color chart or a sex chart or whatever. And they're completely incompetent. They don't know what the hell they're doing. But you got to do it because, uh, you know, we have to hire a black person instead of someone who's competent, be they white, black, green, yellow or whatever. So it's one thing to do that in a sports field. It's quite another, as we bemoaned on the last podcast, if it's in the military or in engineering or in the medical field or whatever. But it's exactly what we're doing. It's exactly what the schools are doing, despite the ruling that struck down affirmative action. Are you there? CBD, are you there? I am here. I once again turned off my mic and forgot to turn it back on. Listen, folks, I am the most uh, technologically challenged person out there. It, it, it stuns me every time I... Brain. <laughs> you forgot to turn the switch. It's not technology. Yeah, <laughs> God bless you. I'll start using the switch on my screen instead of the one on the uh, on the cord. Maybe that will help me more. That might help. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, I, I just you know I didn't I didn't want to get into into it as much as as we did, but uh, the fact is that that Jackie Robinson was one hell of a baseball player, and he should be remembered for that as well as for for his his push to 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 be an American. Um, and as yep. Sefton just described, he 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 wanted to be an American. He didn't want to be recognized as a black man. He wanted to be recognized as a great baseball player and simply an American. Uh, and and for that, well, anyway, yeah, what else have you got? What else have we got? We've had Nazis. We've had uh, we've had uh, racism, fake racism. Uh, we've got uh, what else do we have today? I'm trying to think. I don't know. Huh. We haven't made fun of uh, of our senile, drooling, 
molesting oh, president today. That, I feel really, sort of I feel sort of guilty for not mentioning the fact that he's a uh, a child molesting scumbag who's been a crook for uh, most of his years, and uh, hopefully he will get destroyed in the 2024 election. I don't think yeah. that's going to happen, but anyway, there, there is, just want to get that lot. out. Good. Yeah, actually, he, well, he, he, did, he had a big, another sort of a gaffe yesterday. What else, what else is new, right? Yeah. Um, he was trying to promote some sort of pan-Pacific partnership, and he, he he literally couldn't, he just couldn't, he was saying, couldn't even pronounce the letters, P-P-P-I. And he was going, P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-
supposed the supposed kerfuffle of over the fact whether he was born in Kenya or he faked being born in Kenya in order to get into Colombia. Uh, his association association with Frank Marshall Davis, one of the worst Stalinists in history. His association with Jeremiah Wright, and so on and so on and so on. And the fact that he was just a ne'er do well Hawaiian stoner who was just a total fraud. And look what happened. But you know, and on the other hand, I guess. We know Obama and we know what he's all about. And he's probably is the one or at least one of the people that's that's running that's running Joe Biden right now. So he would probably be running his wife, I assume, unless his wife runs him. And that's a whole other um, you know, sexual or mar- marital dynamic, which we don't want to really go into. But I don't know. I mean, and part of me says, look, why does Michelle Obama really want to do this? She makes millions and millions of dollars sitting on her ass doing absolutely nothing, whether it's you know, crap from Netflix or doing doing whatever. Uh, you know, getting money from, you know, uh, all sorts of, of of places. So why would she even want to bother doing this? And again, even if she were put in, she wouldn't necessarily be running the show anyway. But assuming that the, the, the powers that be really think that the grift is in trouble, whether Biden is on the top of the ticket or whoever, uh, maybe they want to save save the revolution. And they think that if Trump or DeSantis or whoever gets in, that it will once again not that knock them back on their heels. Uh, like it did in between 2017 and 2020. So it's it's something to contemplate. I personally don't think she's going to do it for the reasons that I stated. I just think she's too lazy and just, you know, and just wants to count the millions, you know, that she's raking in just basically doing nothing, you know, as opposed to, you know, having to sort of constantly be even as, as a as a as a, you know, a phony president, even as a fake like Joe Biden, it's it still takes toll on. So, I mean, I can't see her doing it, but interesting speculation yeah i think it's it's mostly make news i don't think anybody is going to take it seriously so anyway yeah Yeah. but so but the real question of course is is uh what i mean we and we've mentioned this before in in past podcasts what happens if if biden really takes a turn for the worst and uh they 25th amendment him if they well and and i cannot imagine that chlamydia harris is is up for the task (laughs) Um, she's, I mean, she's, she's borderline retarded, uh, and, and she, she can't speak. So th- they would have to replace her. So the question is with whom, um, you know, Newsom in California, ugh, you know, he's, he's about as sleazy as it gets. And apparently there are some links between, um, Newsom and Hunter Biden that uh, are, are interesting and, and might actually, uh, expose some of the shady uh dealings that Newsom has has been involved with probably since his the beginning of his political career. You know, all things being equal, if you put everything aside, uh the Democrats have literally zero bench. Uh they have people who have no appeal, no experience, or the experience they have has been has been in, in uh, instituting or presiding over disasters and making them worse. Whereas m- many of the Republicans, I mean the good ones, I'm not talking about Chris Crisco or, or Mike Ponce or whoever, you know, or Nick, Nikki Haley. I'm talking about people like even well, Vivek Ramaswamy is still a freaking question mark, and I don't necessarily trust him. But of course, DeSantis, you know, Trump, even with his baggage, I know we have you have issues with that. Um, there are some good people. Glenn Youngkin is a really good is a good guy. Um, Josh Hawley potential has some potential. So down the road, we have some good young people, you know, that are that are really really you know, up and comers in in the conservative and hopefully in the MAGA mold 
that will, you know, pick up the mantle of really trying to change things and, and turn things around. But of course, you know, with the corruption being the way it is and the fix being in, and now Pennsylvania now officially making, uh, going whole hog on automatic voter registration, it just makes things that much more difficult to overcome, to overcome the cheat. It's, yeah, it's, that, it's that's really, the, that's the thing that we we look at, at at a deep bench as something very good, but the Democrats don't really care. Yeah, because, you know, it's who, who's who's next on the list. Yeah, well, he's a retard. So what? We, we'll get him elected anyway. John fucking Fetterman. The guy is a the guy <laughs> literally is a family. Mean, he's literally he's even he's probably three brain cells above or, or maybe below. Uh, Joe Biden. We don't in his mental abilities right now. I think Biden somehow has a better drug cocktail to keep him on his feet. I don't think Fetterman. I don't think Fetterman has the doctors that that that, that prop him up. His wife is certainly she ain't no uh, she ain't no Edith Wilson, so to speak. But I mean, for that, for the, for for the people of Pennsylvania to put this guy in, regardless of what you thought thought about Mehmet Oz or whoever, or I mean, it doesn't matter anymore. I mean, this is just it's madness to, to even. To consider that and he's just you know, you know they're talking about the dress code and this guy it's like it, it's the senate is a freaking whorehouse to begin with generally speaking so i mean part of me says what does it matter and then the other part of me says god damn it it's the it's the united states it does yeah. matter but uh we're oh god we're just so sunk it's not believable so uh, actually um speaking of of a deep bench um you mentioned a couple of people but what about matt gates uh, I, I, think like, that, I like I like Matt. I like him very I much. Like I wonder if he's thinking about running for governor of Florida. I would like to see that a lot because, as far I, I might be very wrong about this, but uh, isn't DeSantis uh, term limited out? You know, he might be term limited out. Yeah. I don't think. Well, I, I wonder if so. Gates is is thinking about that. That'd be nice. And then from there to the White House, uh, folks, this <laughs> ignore me. <laughs> I'm running off of the mouth, and I think this it's probably time to end this podcast. Because okay. <laughs> Well, you know, running off of the mouth is good because out of the you know, out of the mouths of uh the kids out say the, the dumbest thing. Out of the mouths thing. of idiots. <laughs> you get uh you, you Folks, get you get I have absolutely no idea whether that's in the cards. Um it came right out of my ass. Don't even <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, CBD, the stuff that comes out of your ass is probably a lot of, it makes a hell of a lot more sense of the things that are coming out of lumpy Fetterman's mouth oh than Biden's. That, yeah. That's for good sure. But anyway, my friends, this has been the Cut Jib Newsletter Speaks podcast. Uh, for CBD, it's JJ Septon. Once again, thank you all for your continued support by hitting the tip jar. And we will see you again uh, towards the end of a week with uh, another podcast, uh, an extended version, hopefully perhaps with a, uh, with a special guest. So stay tuned and thank you for listening. Thanks for listening, folks. <laughs>